I have uh, a wonderful uh, opportunity to uh, introduce to you to some of your very own here at Elevation Community Church. They're going to uh, uh, introduce their names, although it would be a good test to see if I could go through the whole panel. But uh, uh, they'll, they'll introduce themselves in just a moment. Um, but today is Vision Sunday. And what we want to do is we want to cast who we are as a church and what it is we're all about. And so if you're visiting or maybe you've been coming but you just you just haven't been connected yet or you don't even know if maybe this is the church family for you to plug into, this is a perfect opportunity for you to be here today. Uh, by the way, my name is Phil Nelson. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing these testimonies. I know some aren't looking forward to the, uh, uh, what, what do we call it, the stage jitters, but uh, welcome to my world, everybody. Um, our vision here is plain and simple, and it's on the screen, but it's in dark letters, so you probably can't even read it, so I, I apologize for that. But we long to see here at Elevation Community Church, and we, it is our desire for every church that lifts Jesus up, is to display Jesus in all that we do. The Bible says that if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all men and women and kids and teens to himself. And so our job as followers of Christ, our jobs as this panel, this discussion panel, is to display Jesus in all we do. Even in the imperfect uh, days and the traits and the characters, uh, the character flaws, and all of us, we're not perfect and we need a savior. Uh, but we're, we're called to display the light that Jesus has placed into our hearts. And so our vision then is as we do that, we long to see more and more and more of this. Real people finding real hope in Jesus. In real Christian fellowship relationships. And we know that the result then will be real life change. And so would you just repeat after me so we can kind of get it into our minds and let it sink down into who we are. So we want to be real people, real people, finding real hope, say real hope, in real relationships, experiencing real life change. Can I just ask even for the panel since uh, they're kind of facing you, if you would say, you know what, since I've been here at ECC, since, since I've been here in this community of believers, I have experienced maybe even just a glimpse of real life, life change because of real people, real hope in Jesus, and in real relationships. Raise your hand if you're one of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, I had one of the panelists, um, no name, um, I had one of the panelists text me and says, you're asking all of us uh, what real change has happened in our life. What about you, Pastor? <laughs> okay. It's changed my life. It's changed my life. I wouldn't be the leader and the pastor I am today if it wasn't for the vision of Elevation Community Church. I wouldn't be the husband or the man I am without the real relationships that I have with real people from this church. Uh, I wouldn't be growing in the word if it wasn't for a chapter a day and knowing that I have a family group now uh, that is going to hold me accountable in getting in the word. Uh, I am truly 
the man and the leader I am today because of people like this on the panel and people like you and even those watching on live stream. It's all about real life change. And if you're not experiencing real life change, oh, would you just connect to Jesus, connect to a community of believers who are following Jesus and connect to a cause so greater than yourself and you're gonna grow. That's our mission of the church. If you do that, you're fulfilling the mission of the church. So without the pastor and the preacher get rambling and talking, we're gonna hear real life change. I shared the vision with you and now I believe that we're going to hear the vision come through by real testimonies of life change. So the question is, how have you experienced real life change in your own personal life, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family? And uh, what do you attribute that to? Uh, of course, Christ through the Holy Spirit uh, draws you, but what would you attribute, to, uh, attribute it to in the life of Elevation Community Church? Brian, you're ready to, uh, we have a panel of Brian's, by the way. We have three Brian's on this panel. So if you, <laughs> if you don't know their name, just say Brian. You're probably going to find one of them. Brian, we're, we're, we're Church of Brian, we should call it. Um, Brian, would you like to start sharing? And uh, again, just be real, just be yourselves, and uh, we're family. Go ahead, brother. All right. Okay, thank you. And um, <laughs> kidding. Love you. <laughs> Good thing I don't get really embarrassed in talking in front of people. Anyways, my name is Brian Janet. I am a firm believer in Jesus Christ. Um, let's see, real life change. Whew. Uh, about shy of two weeks, shy of a year ago, I uh, decided to take a step forward and let God into my life. Um, I was an alcoholic. I was losing my family. I didn't have a job. So uh, I came to Celebrate Recovery. I went to Celebrate Recovery before I came to church, actually. And boy, has it been a journey. Um, I am, February 11th will be one year of sobriety for me. Now she's going to start trying to make me cry. But uh, just having this church welcome us, my wife and I, with open arms from day one and becoming family with every single one that's in here is just an amazing feeling to wake up every morning and know that I have God on my side and that there's no battle that I can be defeated from. Um, Celebrate Recovery has been the most amazing thing in my life, other than my wife and kids. Good answer. <laughs> but just having somewhere to go that you have friends and family that you can just talk to and just, no matter what you're feeling, just get things out and having that, that shoulder to talk to is just, it's an absolutely amazing thing. And I, for many, many, many years, I was not a good person. I neglected my family. I wasn't the, the husband, the father, the son um, that I should have been. But I think with God's good grace, my family here at ECC, and having this beautiful person by my side through this whole journey, it, my life is, 
is, it's amazing. I'm a, I'm a proud papa now. I, I enjoy life every single day. And I look forward to many, many, many more years of, of attending this church and growing with this family. And uh, I just thank everyone for all their support that they've ever given me. So. One thing on Brian before his better half speaks, um, I remember I remember that night I called you uh, from a friend who said, this man is in desperate need of Celebrate Recovery. And I said, no, he's in desperate need of Jesus. Uh, and Celebrate Recovery presents Jesus yeah. <laughs> fully, fully, fully with freedom, not just for addictions, y'all. If you are struggling in a season of difficulty, now I'm going to start preaching. If you're struggling with with habits and hurts and hang-ups. It doesn't matter where you're at, whether it's an addiction to food or codependency or even just self-hate or pornography or whatever it is. Celebrate Recovery is a place for you because they teach you that your identity is not in that stuff. It's in Jesus Christ. And Brian, I, I, I remember talking to you that night, and you said, bro, I, I'm losing everything. Bags are packed. Wife is done. I don't know what to do. And may I tell you, you did lose everything in order to gain Jesus and everything else. You lost all of that. Your past is erased. And I tell you what, this man just smiles at the mention of the name of Jesus and what God has done. He just wants to tell everybody. That's awesome. Krista? So I'm the nervous one. You're good. <laughs> so I made notes. And um, so, yes, I am Krista. I am Brian's spouse. And I've been coming to ECC and CR for about 10 months. Um, I decided I should go to CR because of the changes I was seeing in Brian. What you probably don't know about me is I suffer from hurts, habits, and hang-ups too. I went to CR for five weeks before I even spoke one word. One of my hang-ups, as you see, I was his enabler. Two, my hurts, I didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust especially my husband. And I suffered silently with anxiety. And I finally, with my habits, I had put up several walls to protect my kids and myself. Since attending CR, I began to drop my walls and start trusting again, not only in people, but in God. And because of God's grace, ECC, and my CR family, I have learned to live again. I open up myself more. And I am now able to forgive. Oh, and I also gave up smoking six months ago. Um, I could not have gotten here with, um, without the help of um, ECC and CR. Oh, they're great family. You are. And for the grace of God. Alan Umber 
Ungersoll and his uh, awesome wife, uh, Kristen Ungersoll. And uh, go ahead. All right. It's great seeing everybody today. Um, spent a lot of time praying of what I'm supposed to say and got a very clear word from God of what to say, but it's not specific. Um, but before going to that, everything that has happened since we started coming to this church, just watching God work um, in our lives, um, just being lifted up by guys in my discipleship groups and encouraged me to pray and pray for, for my wife. And uh, I've been praying for my wife nearly every day, um, probably for a year and a half. And this last month or two, is I've just seen incredible joy in my wife. And I just, I'm so proud of her, everything that she is and has become. And she's a wonderful mother. And I just, I attested to Jesus because we were not on this track before we came to the Lord. So with that being said, I, I have to read what I was given. Teach my people the truth about me. Speak and I will speak through you. Step up and model what it looks like to walk in Christ. Love should be the foremost in everything that you do. They will see love in your actions, and they will hear love in your voice. Tell them about me. Tell them your story, who you were without Christ and who you are becoming in Christ. Share with them the love that you have for your wife, children, and those that you serve. This is a broken and fallen world. Be a shining light that points, to, uh, points them to Jesus and brings hope. I will restore every heart that is broken. And I share this because this all points to discipleship. It points to me, um, walk alongside my wife, um, discipling my children. This also goes to our family, discipling our, our e-kids um, on Sunday mornings. Uh, also, uh, in our two uh, small groups and our family groups, we have to walk alongside of each, uh, each other and lift them up. My family would not be where it's at today um, if we weren't doing this as a church body. My name's Kristen, and um, I'm going to talk a little bit about a chapter a day with, uh, in my small group, uh, my family group, actually. Um, so when Alan come home one day and said, we're going to do a family group, I, we have something every night of the week. I'm not lying, every night. And then he tells me it's on Monday, which that's my exercise class. <laughs> so I um, was not happy. So, um, but uh, I, then I find out that the associate pastor is in my small group. <laughs> a elder is in my small group. Laney is in my small group, <laughs> family group. So um, needless to say, I was very intimidated. And um, we jump right in and find out that I also have to read the Bible every, every week and every day. So um, I think that um, our family group started out two times a month. And we could not, it, it, it just blossomed with with us and we didn't want to go two times a month we wanted to see each other weekly so um and i started to change um reading a chapter a day um i'm not gonna lie to you i i don't don't like it i don't know i don't do it all the time um <laughs> i don't do it <laughs> but i think um, with my family group um i will helen and i joke we listen we turn it on and we put it on my little speaker and we play it right before everyone comes over 
and <laughs> and we talk about it. And um, I I just I feel like and with all those people that are in my family group, it's so intimidating for me because I one day just said I don't get it. I'm very elementary in my thinking. Um, I pull up all the different versions to try to get it. And so it's just nice, though, to sit down and hear other people's opinion about it and what their thoughts are. We've even Googled things. And um, so it's just, it's just nice to just, and then sometimes we don't even talk about it at all. Um, sometimes we just talk about what happened with our kids or with our jobs. Um, you know, Shelly has some great stories. She's not here today, but she has some great stories about her job, and we just like to talk about those things, and then watching our children interact with each other. Um, so I think that um, for me, a uh, family group has opened up um, me even getting into the Word. Um, I would have never done that before, never, not even with coming to church every Sunday and listening to it here. I would have never been pushed to do it. So um, I really appreciate that opportunity. And I just want to leave. Another thing about the family group, one last thing is, and if anybody ever has a problem, you put it on Facebook, oh, please pray for me. And I kind of giggle because everybody's like praying, 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 you know, in the comments. I know that if I do my group text message to my family group and we say that, I know it's actually going to happen. Um, I just, you know, I can rely on them, and um, I know it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what I have to say. Brian Vance. Yes, sir. Well, I am Brian Vance, the third Brian up here. And um, Phil asked me a question the other day. Before he gave me the question for the panel, he, he asked me, he said, uh, so, so at what point in, in your life did you start to put these roots down in your relationship with God. And um, I mean, without hesitation, what it take me like one second, um, I said, it was when I walked in the door here. And, you know, you can listen to the stories on the panel today. You can talk to a lot of people in this building, and God is definitely on the move in this place. And we came here in 2016, the second Sunday of 2016, uh, Renee and I came here. Um, prior to that, um, let me back up a little bit. The impact that this place has had on my, on my life is in my personal walk with Jesus. And before we came here, I had accepted Jesus and I was, I was a believer, but we were pretty much just your typical Christian, you know, American Christian family. We went to church occasionally. There was no relationship. Um, my journey here on that second Sunday in 2016, it uh, started out, you know, got up in the morning to get ready for church, and, and my wife is terribly sick, um, and she'd been up all night sick, so my, you know, the first thought that comes to my mind is, well, I, I don't need to go, I can, I can go next week, but there's something that is at that moment pulling me nudging me, you need to go and do this. So I got ready, got in the car, and I headed here, and, and it had snowed that night. The roads were a little bit bad. I was running a little bit late. wasn't feeling real good about coming here because I hadn't been invited here. I was just going to show up. Um, didn't know anyone here. 
on the way here over, you know, on Route 50 in Allensburg, there's a guy in the ditch. And got past him, and I'm like, well, I need to stop and help him. I'm on my way to church, and I don't want to be late, but what kind of uh, Christian would I be if I just left him in the ditch? So turned around, went back, offered to help him. He said he's fine. And at that point, it's even later. I'm going to be mega late for this, this church. And I'm like, you know, I thought up here, you don't need to go. You can just, just go home, and uh, you can do this next week. But there's another thought of this force that's pulling me. Just, you need to go. So I showed up, and um, service had started. And I walked in the door, and it's as if, you know, God had placed... Pastor Daniel right at the door. And he was like, he was, he was waiting for me to come in. Uh, introduced himself, got me a cup of coffee, I got seated, and, um, you know, just walls had just, from the moment I walked in the door here, walls broke down, barriers broke down, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion, um, God intended for me to be here on that Sunday because it was the, you know, bringing me here was his way of finally connecting with me and, and showing me what he truly wanted for my life, and that is a relationship with him, which um, has just blossomed here. That has been the biggest impact on my personal life. Um, you know, the, we came the next Sunday and totally out of my character after service, I, I told Renee, I said, we need to go up and meet Phil. And he was right down here. And that's not something I would usually do. I was the person that sat in the back, and when service was over, we've got to get out the door. And if the pastor happened to be standing at the back door, we might shake hands on the way out. But uh, we met him here on the second week. We came the third week. Um, it, it's funny because the sermon series that month was called All In, and it was appropriate. I, I was not all in. I was, you know, lukewarm. And um, that sermon series, being surrounded by the, the people here, I became all in. The third week we were here, we were headed out the door. I passed Phil. I just stopped and said, hey, I want you to baptize me next week. And, you know, the fourth week I got baptized, and it's just... It's exploded from, from there. Um, and now how are you leading? To, you're using your, your gifts and your experience and abilities to teach what? Um, well, I lead financial peace here, and um, we're on our second class. Um, do you want me to tell them about the sure. other? Yeah, um, well, um, soon I'm going to go ahead and go through the Dave Ramsey uh, Master Coach um, certification so that we can have a ministry here that when, you know, you're struggling with your finances, you have an outlet to come to and get just guidance. Not, you know, not you need to invest in stocks and bonds. It, it's just basic, you know, here's, your, here's where we're, here's where you're, you're stumbling in your finances and, and here's what you need to do. There's going to be a resource in the church for, uh, for people to reach out to. Thank you. Thank you, you no, I'm, I'm good. Hello, I'm Loretta, and I just wanted to talk to you about the youth group. Um, we have two teens, 
And um, the youth group, Jacob Jordan, is just amazing. Um, <laughs> yes, well, Brennan is here, so um, our little one was sick, so Willie stayed home with him, so Brian and I could come and do this. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, when we first came to Elevation, we left a church that we had been to for a long time. Our kids had been there their whole entire life, and so um, the change for them was difficult. Um, they... Um, were struggling sometimes. They didn't want to come on Sunday morning. Brian and I loved Elevation right away. Like, we just felt like it was perfect. But when we came, there was no youth pastor. Um, they were looking for a youth pastor. The youth pastor just left. So youth group was very important to us. Um, from the time my kids were little, I just always knew when they were a teenager, I wanted them and a good youth group. And um, I just feel like for those teen years, you know, those Christian... Um, relationships are so important for them. They need friends. Um, they need people besides Brian and I um, to speak into their life and to um, be there for them. So um, one Sunday, we were here, and they introduced Jacob and Jordan on stage, and it was so exciting. Uh, Brian and I left church so excited, you know, so excited talking about it. We were just like, man, we just think this is going to be awesome. Like, their vibe on stage was just, I don't know, it's just great and they uh, invited the teens to come that night to meet them so we told the kids like you know gosh you guys have to go tonight you gotta you gotta go meet them and they weren't so on board <laughs> they were like we just want our old youth group we um you know we we don't know anybody we'll feel weird walking in there like we don't know anyone and all afternoon it was a little bit it was a struggle we kind of battled it out like we're like, you guys are gone, you know, we will go with you, we will stay, <laughs> you, we'll stay with you, and um, we'll be there with you. Well, we went that night, and um, Jacob and Jordan were making their rounds talking to the kids, and they came and talked to our kids, and immediately they were connecting, my kids were laughing, they were talking about themselves, the whole rest of the night was just fun and games, and literally it was just that one night, <laughs> that one night did it, like we've never had to make our kids go to church like since then or to go to any youth group thing they've wanted to go to every single thing like the connection that Jacob and Jordan have with these kids is amazing and um so my kids you know they go Sunday night to youth group they go to Thursday night um the youth bible study and they go to our every other week family bible study and they love it I mean they want to go they don't complain um so it's just a blessing and um we see them growing spiritually um brennan you know he's um works we farm so he works long hours in the fields like when we're in our busy seasons and he'll work seven days a week and not home, get home till 11 like even on school nights but there was a couple times he got home at 11 took a shower got in bed and i walked in his room at 11 30 and i saw him reading the word <laughs> and it was just <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they are growing spiritually. That was hard, like, leaving churches for us and just kind of having that fear, like, are we doing the right thing? Are our kids going to, you know, stay on track? And um, it's, this elevation has just, God has been so good to us to just meet our needs and to be with us and to answer all of our prayers and to just, he just, I mean, he's just taking care of our family. I mean, even I was thinking of one of my kids who... I just noticed they're just more joyful. They're laughing more. They're, 
making connections with people better than they used to. And um, I don't know, that could probably be our whole family right now. <laughs> I mean, just mm. I feel like, you know, God has been so good. So um, I highly recommend if your kids aren't involved in youth group to get them involved in youth group. Jacob and Jordan, just amazing. And Jacob is so, like, he's so smart. He, like, he... <laughs> He puts us all to shame. I know, and this guy's teaching our kids, so it's awesome. And um, I don't know, it's so good. And then we've been doing this um, the small group Bible study. We committed to that, and um, that's been awesome. And again, we've been, Brian and I have been going to church together since before we were married. So, you know, our kids have always been to church on Sunday morning, youth group, you know, they always done that stuff, but we've had trouble we've been asked for small groups and we just never felt like we had the time we've done a, a few like out of all the years we've been married we've only done a few and temporary ones um but we always just said you know our life is too busy we farm we you know, my husband works long hours where um our kids are in activities we just don't have the time but i think coming to a new church and us needing to make connections and our kids needed to you know make connections and relationships you know um, we're ready to dive in and you know get involved in with what we can and so when we were asked to be a part of the bible study group we committed but um inside i was kind of thinking this is going to be hard like this is going to be a struggle but it hasn't been it's been great and i we really like god has worked everything out we're we get everything done we're like <laughs> you know it's just funny how God works that out, and it's just, um, we're all making connections and friends, and we just wouldn't do that, like, um, like if we were just here on Sunday mornings, we wouldn't have these friends and connections, I mean, and honestly, even I think our kids, like, would probably struggle to come on Sunday mornings if they were not involved in activities outside of Sunday morning, if they weren't going to small group or youth group, they wouldn't probably want to come here that much on Sunday. They, they don't have relationships. They don't have connections. I mean, um, so it's really important, I think, um, if you guys could just um, get involved in what you can. Don't use time as an excuse. We use time as an excuse for, you know, so long. And um, Real people <laughs> in real relationships. Yeah. So, and like God works it out. He really does. And it's been so good for us. It's so good for our whole family. So. You know what's amazing that you said about the, not, not to uh, lift our, our youth pastor and his wife up even more, but uh, when I gathered with the all the parents before, uh, well, it was while we started the search, but before we even talked with uh, Pastor Jacob, uh, the, the main thing was not they wanted program for their teens or wanted events or field trips or whatever. It was pretty much across the board. We want our kids to grow in the word of God. We want them to be equipped so that when they go off to college, that it's not just something that was us leading them, but it's them taking it, taking their personal relationship with Jesus uh, with them. And uh, God sent us the very right couple to do that. Because his heart is teaching the next generation to draw closer to Jesus and to display his light. And it's, it's so evident in their marriage, uh, even though they're, you know, he turned 22. He's really old, y'all. Turned 22 this week. So he's starting to get some gray hair. 
And, uh, but uh, they're just amazing. So, Brian. All right, I'm Brian. Mine will be a lot quicker than Now, Byron? Yeah, yeah. I've been calling him Byron, and he's been okay with it. Well, and then I hear from his wife, it's Brian. I was like, idiot. Well, that's tough, because I was going to say something, but when do you say something? But I'll let it go a little, a little longer. I, yeah. Just like my father-in-law. Go ahead. Anyways, I first off want to say <clears throat> how awesome this church is. We, we've loved it since we first come in, like Loretta said. Um, I'm pretty well going to touch on the same point she did, so to be quick. Um, our kids in the youth group, it's awesome. Jacob and Jordan, I mean, you guys are. You're doing an amazing job. Um, it, our, our kids are important in church. If, if they don't have a good youth group, what do they have? We, we wouldn't be coming here. We, we wouldn't. And um, we are because of, not just because of that, but we do want them in a good youth, youth group, and they are with you guys. Um, our Bible study group, uh, I'll be quick with it too. Um, that's also something that everybody needs to be a part of. Some type of group in your church. Doesn't have to necessarily be a Bible study, but something. Um, we, we really enjoy it every week or every other week we go. And like Loretta said, we didn't think we'd have time for it. We do. You, you can make time for what you want to make time for. And um, you, you just you create friendships. Um, you get to know people in the church, which is important. Uh, you can't just come in every Sunday and sit down here and listen to the message and get up and leave, and that's it. You're, you're not going to get fed that way. You're not. Um, but that's all I have. Wow. It's quick. Um, I have one just question on the spot. You don't all have to answer it, but uh, it's just been on my heart. Um, there's a lot of marriages out here, all different backgrounds, all different stages. Uh, some may be the best spot in your marriage yet. Some may be in the worst spot in your marriage yet. Uh, we, we all have married couples up here represented. What, what if anything, uh, through the ministry that you've been involved with, whether it's serving together in eKids, serving together in the youth, serving together in any other ministry here at ECC or your family group or reading the word together, what has been the key for you guys to growing together as a married couple but also starting to learn how to disciple your children? If, if that applies, of course. Any, anything? Come on, Lauren. <laughs> she, said, she said do it quickly. Yeah. You're a preacher in training, I know. I know. Um, when I, we first came to Elevation, um, I was a baby believer. She was raised in church. And what happened is I jumped so much, it kind of divided us in our marriage. And it was very confusing for her because the husband that she had, was he was a different man. And so we kind of started over from uh, scratch when we first came to this church. And it was rough. I thought, well, if I'm going to be Christian, it's supposed to be easy, right? And it was not. Um, it, was, it was more difficult than I could ever imagine. Um, but again, you know, uh, surround myself with, with uh, great men like uh, Pastor Daniel and other guys in my small group just uh, speaking the truth to me, uh, encouraged me to pray uh, for her, for myself, our marriage. Um, 
right now, like, our marriage is the best place it's ever been. It's not because life is easy. It's just because we have decided to have joy in our lives. And that's a decision that we had to, had to make. But it's the network, it's the community here that um, wrapped around us to get us where we're at. And, you know, that's all through Jesus Christ. He's using each one of you um, to support others. And we have to do this as a community. Um, we've also actively pursued things to strengthen our marriage. We went to the Family Life Conference, and wow, the floodgates were open at that conference for us, and that's when I think our marriage really um, excelled. Um, Which, by the way, is available. I believe the Cincinnati one uh, registration ends. Where's Greg Dolby? Registration ends this coming week. The discount ends tomorrow. So if you want to save money, tomorrow. I could go on for 15 more minutes, but that's good enough. Okay. Brian? Vance? Yeah, um, just a, a little bit of an addition to what Alan said. Um, Alan mentioned being surrounded by, by godly men, and um, that's something that we have here. One of the first things that Renee and I did as a couple here was we went to the Art of Marriage, which was here at the building, and um, just as a young believer to, to come into that room, um, you know, the first couple that we met were Greg and Diane. And um, just to have that in your life and to see how, you know, real men lead their homes has been a, a blessing to me in the leadership of, of my home. So what you see here is just a representation, guys and gals, of real life change. And we want to do this uh, as often as we can just to remind us what is going on. You know you're in Blanchester when there is a phone ring of a rooster. I love it. I love it. Anyways, real life change. It can happen even you, your marriage, and your family. Can we give it up for this panel? Woo! All right, watch this video. That couldn't be closer to our hearts uh, as a leadership team, as a staff, as elders. Uh, we, I'm going to say it again, we desire to display Jesus in all that we do, not just in this church building. By the way, when you come to church, I wasn't going to say it, but I guess I, I am. When you come to church, how often do you guys catch yourself or hear others say, I'm going to church? That couldn't be farther from the truth. You're not going to church. You are the church. You're bringing church to a building to where we worship and we gather and we serve. And so it's really not about us. It's about us bringing the church through the power of the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we are the hope of the world. We are the light. We are a city on the hill. And so this is our heart. That video, we want to share the hope that we have. We want to act on our calling. We want to step out. We want to reach out and meet the need. And we're going to continue to do that more and more. And our desire as a church, everybody, is to get better and better and better at doing that. And I want to uh, just do a plug because we want you a part of that. On February 18th, on a Sunday evening, while a youth is going on, uh, we're going to have something called the Core Gathering. It's called the Core Gathering. Hopefully it's up there. Um, not sure if it is or not. 
the February 18th from 5 to 6.30. Anyone who considers Elevation Community Church their home church, we want you to come. It's not going to be to hear us talk. It's going to be to pray together, to seek the Lord of what he's doing in our church and in our community. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear of what you're sensing, of what you feel we need to get better at as a church to continue to reach more and more people. And so I got these, um, I feel like a, a, a rose between two thorns. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> this is Big Grable. Are you leaving? I might. <laughs> and uh, Greg Dolby. They're actually um, leaders of our church. They're not elders <clears throat> yet, but um, they are leaders in our church. And uh, we're so appreciative of everything they've done. They've been a part of the financial oversight team. They really have overhauled our whole finances, accountability, and all that. And you're going to hear a little bit of that. But at this portion, we're going to talk about what it takes for us to do what we do as a ministry to reach out, to share our hope, to step out on faith, and to meet the need. And so the first question is this for Greg. Um, what have you learned over the years with you and your wife, Diane? What have you learned in regards of generosity, giving cheerfully unto the Lord, and where the ministry plays the role in that? First of all, I resent the fact that you're said over the years like I'm old or something. I didn't say okay. that at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, um, I've had all week to think about this question. <clears throat> and actually, uh, it's, it's a great question. Uh, the word generosity, you know, first of all, I, I think in Scripture, I, I, one of my personal... Um, I'll call it a habit or preferences in Scripture, is to take a core truth in, print, in, in uh, Scripture and reduce it to ten words, because I can remember ten words. You know, I think, for example, in John chapter 3, we all know John chapter 3, verse 16. I, I bring that down to these ten words. His only begotten Son, that we might have eternal life. Think about that, ten words. In 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about how we should witness. Have you ever thought about the difficulty or challenge of witnessing what do I say? How do I do it? Paul gives us an example there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where he says these words, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. Just think about if that was your approach to witnessing, those simple ten words. The important one for this discussion is really, in my mind, comes out of uh, Matthew chapter 6. I think we all know this scripture that talks about laying up our treasures in heaven, not on earth, right? But what does that really mean? And I think the 10 words I take from that are in verse 21, where it says, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. You know what that tells me? That tells me that generosity, what I've learned in my life all those years, <laughs> generosity is not about our capability to give. It's about our capacity to love. And if you can get that in your heart and you can realize that God doesn't bring things my way for me to consume them, he brings them my way to pass them on as an investment. You know, that scripture there in Matthew chapter 6 that I just uh, quoted, it has the same words in the original Greek as the concept of investment. You know, when I invest in something... We all probably have a 401k or something like that. Don't you think about that investment working, producing a positive outcome as a result of that investment? That's what I think generosity is about, investing in God's kingdom so that we can see that fruit to advance the kingdom. That's what ECC is all about. Wow. 
And so even uh, in the same line of thought, why, because some people are maybe thinking, and we're going to get to the logistic, logistics of how this all works out, but why, why should we, of course, pour our time and our resources into this building if really the church is people? Why do we pour into this building, into what we do, into our worship, into our e-kids, the renovations, the material, the space? Why do we do all of that? What would you say? I would say it's for the same reason that Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 8 uh, affirms the Macedonian church. He's encouraging the church of Corinth. He's talking about the Macedonian church and how they viewed it as a privilege. That's a really interesting word, isn't it? Giving as a privilege. He talks about it as giving beyond their ability. You know, in the history of the church, you would find, if you took the time to look at it, the church of Corinth was far more capable of supporting ministry. They had vast resources. The church of Macedonia did not. And yet they give out of their poverty. They give graciously. They give generously. And they gave purposely to advance the kingdom of God. And I think that's what we want to say we're all about, aren't we? Advancing the kingdom of God, making an investment for eternity. It actually even says, just to kind of uh, read it in Second Corinthians uh, eight, uh, chapter or excuse me, verse uh, three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And it says, in this not as we expected, but they gave themselves. First to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Wow. So they had that, that eternal uh, perspective grounded in generosity. Uh, that's great. Thank you, Greg. Uh, on to uh, Vic. Uh, again, Vic has uh, been a part of the leadership team that has uh, overseen the finances and uh, all the logistics, and uh, we are really excited at the healthy place uh, we are at. So thank you, Vic and Greg, to that, and Tony Cardinal and Alan Umbersall. Thank you for that. Um, Vic, what is the current financial status at ECC? Because people give generously and uh, faithfully, and I think it's important for us to be completely transparent. Vic even asked me, how transparent do you want me to be? be? I said, transparent. Just let's, let's be open and honest about this. Um, so what is the financial status at ECC? And what are the ways uh, the financial ministry can be supported uh, by people who call this place home? Sure. Um, nothing like talking about money, right? Everyone's favorite topic in the church. But uh, it hit me even as I was up here listening earlier to the testimonies of how lives have been changed. The financial contribution, the generosity of this collective group is what establishes kind of the baseline or the, or the, uh, the base for which ministry takes place. So it's a necessary aspect. It's not what drives the ministry. You know, it's not the finances aren't the primary focus. It's simply are the finances there so that the ministry can be in existence so that when the opportunity comes, we can reach out and impact the lives of others, even as the uh, slide shows on the back. I want to talk about four issues or four aspects of the ministry very quickly from a financial perspective. First of all, the elders, uh, Pastor Phil is the elder and, and the elder board as well have really been focused in the last year in doing everything they possibly could to attain the highest level of financial integrity with regards to the gifts and the generosity of the church. And so we really have three levels 
or three checks and balances in the system, if you will. We partner with a uh, with a company, and they really are partners that that does all they do all our accounting for us. So they keep track of everything. They pay the bills. They keep track of the gifts, and um, and so that's kind of the first level. The second level is indeed the financial oversight committee, and. Uh, that committee really has a couple of charges. One, to develop a, a series of reports so that indeed you could track every, every, every dime that comes into the ministry. And we're very confident we do that effectively today. Every dime that comes in, every dime that goes out, we're accounting for and can be responsible uh, for. Um, that committee also is constantly looking for opportunities to reduce unnecessary expenses, renegotiating some contracts that we have, eliminating others. And so there is that effort that goes on weekly behind the scenes to ensure that we're good stewards of the blessings and the resources that are being given. And then lastly, the elders. Uh, they are the recipient of the reports in every meeting. They review them in detail and ask plenty of questions to again ensure total and complete accountability. So there's a lot of effort put forth on that part. From an overall financial perspective, and I know we don't talk about it a lot, but uh, when you look back at uh, 2017, in total, it required $339,000 to run the ministry all in. Now, on one hand, that sounds like a lot. On the other hand, when you stop to think about it, about 75% of all of that, of that 339000 are really um, expenses that are fixed. For example, the mortgage payment. It's like you might have mortgage or rent at your home. You know, one of the commitments this year was for every month we we're going to pay an extra $1,000 to the mortgage to pay it down. And that was achieved in every month of this year. And so they're aggressively trying to... Wow, that's... In the capital as well. In the capital as well setting money aside so that we have the money or the funds available when issues come, come around. So the only indebtedness on the books at the church is the mortgage. That's a fantastic position to be in as a young church body. And so um, I, I give kudos to leadership for making those decisions, but none of that is possible without your generosity and without your support. And so um, this year was for the first 11 months was tough. It was nip and tuck. And actually, you know, our goal is to just make sure we have a little bit more coming in than's going out. And through November, we were within about 1%, but we were on the wrong side of that 1%. We were down just about 1% where we had spent that much more than what we had brought in. And we hope that December indeed was a month that would change that. And December didn't change that, indeed change that. And I'll talk just a little bit more during the second question uh, about that. And so from a financial perspective, in total, $353,000 were given to the ministry by you. I think that's also worth a round of applause, too. That is a tremendous commitment. And that doesn't include time and talents. That doesn't include time and talents as well. This is just strictly financial. Can you even explain that just real quickly as far as what we mean by time and talents? Sure. Um, in, one of the, in the same chapter that, uh, that Greg had referenced, the Church of Macedonia, in verse 7 of chapter 8, there it also talks about excelling. And Scripture says, continue to excel in those things, in faith and in love and in earnestness and in speech. But it also says, make sure you also excel in the grace of giving. And giving we look at from two perspectives. One, there certainly is the financial piece of that, uh, giving of your tithes and your offerings. Uh, but secondly is also your time and talents. And I did just a back of an envelope um, 
uh, analysis because I think there are so many volunteer hours being given. Now, this is just volunteerism uh, that I'm going to talk about outside of the morning services. I'm not talking about all the help in the booth and on the stage and with the children. But we, we do something that you do something here at this church that's significant. For example, 100% of the janitorial service under the direction of Bob Nicely is done through volunteers. I don't, that is a, that's a significant. I don't know of any other church that that is the case. Building programs, you look on the back wall, done with volunteers. We do that for a fraction of the cost. The building programs that were in eKids were done strictly with volunteers. Maintenance around the building inside and out. Uh, I factor, I figure that out to be somewhere conservatively in the, in the area of sixty to seventy thousand dollars worth of volunteerism on an annual basis. That's huge. That's huge. So you really have three ways in which we want to we talk about giving, right? Primarily is the ties that you give. Some are in the boxes, you know, on a Sunday morning. Some of you give. Others of you give online through your ties. Uh, both have been incredibly faithful. We're making some changes to the online version. Um, and you're even going to have a chance, and it's an option if you'd like, to pay for your processing fee in addition to your tithe so that the church doesn't incur that expense if you decide that you would like to cover that as part of your gift as well. That's a change that you'll see as we move forward. And that's um, for giving online. Giving online only. All right. Um, secondly, offerings. In addition, uh, this is included in the $353,000 that I mentioned earlier, but there's $24,000 that this body gave as what I would call an offering for special events, uh, sports and arts camp, for projects to buy those things and uh, purchase those. So that's an offering over and beyond the tithe. And then lastly, a new thing that we've come across with, and that is some, a unique way to move money from man's economy into God's economy. And that is... Two um, companies, Kroger and Amazon, both have an op a, a, a service that they offer where a certain percentage of everything that you spend is donated to the church. And um, take Kroger, for example, because they are very generous. 4% of everything you buy at Kroger's or spend at Kroger's will be reallocated and given to Elevation Community Church if, if you have set that account up that way. Now, you think 4% isn't a big deal. But just extrapolate this math with me. Let's say we have 100 families here, and, and those 100 families spend $100 a week at Kroger. Some I of you wish. Yeah, wish you could spend 100 all right? But that would be, for each family, $4 a week that would move from Kroger's economy to God's economy. And if you look at that on a monthly, four-week month, that's $16. Doesn't sound like a lot. Multiply that by 100 families, that's $1,600 in the month. Multiply that by 12 months in a year, we're talking almost $21,000 that would migrate from Kroger's to Elevation Community Church. Doesn't impact your points, doesn't have any negative impact, it's simply transferring that money. And so we'd encourage you to take advantage of that. I think there's forms back there that tell you how. You might have to make a call, but both Amazon Smiles and Kroger's would be a great place to do that if you want to leverage your purchasing dollar and have a portion of that sent back to your church. And it is through Amazon Smile, not Amazon. It's a, a, a distinction. Amazon is uh, a less, but it's still, it, it's still a cruise. And with Kroger, uh, one of these Sundays, we might just do a five-minute walk you through very simple. Go either on your Kroger app, 
or on uh, online to their website and you go to your profile and you literally just select the charity and you put in Elevation Community Church and it will come up. That easy. Uh, last question before the worship team comes up and uh, leads us out today. Uh, can you share with us, Vic, uh, how you might have observed biblical generosity at work at ECC? I have a great example, and uh, it occurred just recently, and, and frankly, this is a, a great example that reflects kind of some doubts and questions on my part. Um, last uh, first week in December, I had an opportunity to attend the elders' meeting as a guest just to review financial data and reports, and we did that, and uh, again, as I told you at that point, we were about 1% under water, if you will. We, we had spent 1% more than we had taken in. And so we finished that conversation, and just as an observer, I got to observe the next conversation. And it was one maybe some of you have forgotten about, but I bet most of you remember, and that is a year ago in January of 17, leadership had shared with us that they'd taken a step of faith to say, look, we are going to tithe 10% on everything that comes in. Now, you hadn't heard a lot of talk about that, and that was a great idea in January of 2017. Here we sat the first week in December of 2017. Only about half of that tithing had been done, and the elders were talking about, you know, fulfilling that commitment. And I'm sitting over in the corner, and uh, you remember Pastor Phil's message last week about holding on, a demonstration of the basketball, holding on to Jesus and making that the focus. Well, I kind of had set Jesus down, and I picked up maybe a little bit of doubt and concern. How's that possible? We, we don't have that money right now. And, you know, none of the elders even asked, how much money do we have on hand? Are we going to be able to make that? They just said, let's pray about it, and we are going to fulfill that commitment. I was thinking with Earth's economy, and I'm looking at the math, and it just doesn't work. So we pray. Um, they pray. There's not a big issue made here at church at all. Uh, there's, this, there's a Christmas offering. Fast forward to the end of December. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures comes from Malachi about giving, and you've all heard it. You know, will a man rob God? God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me. I like to also think, trust me, fully trust me. Just depend upon me and see what I'm going to do on your behalf. See if I don't open the, the floodgates of heaven and give you more than you can handle. End of December rolls around, and I get the first, uh, uh, first report from uh, the finances. And the first thing I look at, naturally, is the giving. On a normal month, uh, the church will receive somewhere between twenty-seven dollars and $29,000. Um, I look at the finance report in December, and that number is over $50,000. Yeah. Now, nobody hit the lottery. It wasn't, you know, one person solving the issue. It was God working on the hearts of you. And by... His own engagement with you, that giving took place. Now, yes, if you take out the Christmas offering and some benevolence, it was still at $43,000, far exceeding any month that we even began to approach in 2017. And as I read that report, in the back of my mind, I heard a voice. And that voice was, I told you, test me. And see if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and give you more than you can handle. I saw the elders take that step of faith. I saw you, in obedience, without even being asked, step up and demonstrate generosity. And I'm thankful to be a part of this place, but I would encourage you, if you're not in that place yet where you can say, hey, I've tested God, I beg you to do that. 
I don't just, I beg you to not miss out on the blessings that God promises he will give you if you'll just step out on faith. You say, I can't afford to. I say, you can't afford not to. Trust God and see what he will do. Actually, actually, that's the only place in all of God's word where he says, test me. The only place. We'll leave you with this scripture back in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 there. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. <laughs> That's a pretty simple truth, isn't it? It says, I've blessed you this much, and I expect you to be responsible for that much. So start with what you have. God will use it. Amen. Amen. Can we uh, thank Greg and Dick? Would you stand? I've asked the band to lead us in this song called The Church. And as you sing it together, may we just declare that this is the church that we are going to be. We are raising the standard. We're not just going to be apathetic and just say we're just going to get by. By the way, it is my personal belief and opinion that the church, the Christian church, should do things so much better than the world. It's because we have this hope and we have the spirit enabling to do it. So that's why we invest in what we do. That's why we uh, do the Sunday experiences and we pour resources into what we do. It's because we believe God has called us to excellence. Uh, we were going to pass out commitment cards and just ask you of where you are with your walk, not how much you're going to give, anything like that. But we want to challenge you to give so that you can be a part of the testing and the challenge with God of see, seeing how he multiplies the fruits of your generosity and how he takes you closer and closer to his heart. And so we want you as families and individuals to pray this week, God, where in my life am I holding on to my resources, my time, my talents, and not holding on to you? And next week, we're just going to, we're probably going to pass out some commitment cards of just being all in, all in, 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 in stepping by faith in relationship with God, in our generosity, in our serving, in our leading our families. God wants us to be all in. So pray this week. Watch what God will do. And then in two months from now, we're going to open the platform for testimonies to see how God has brought real life change through your obedience and your response. Let's worship.